This is the Roar and Peace Project coming to you from Studio 3 at the Third Space on Campus Corner. I'm Kate Bierman, mom to Ellie, 22 months, and five rescue animals, political scientist, policy wonk, and co-owner of four businesses with my fellow co-host, Sarita Wilson. And I am Sarita Wilson. I am almost 50 years old, uh, birther of four businesses, mother of two grown children, five rescue animals, and one errant husband. So today I think we're going to talk about starting versus acquiring a business. In the last uh, two years, we went from one doggy daycare to a doggy daycare with a business partner and an additional site for that business that we call an indoor dog park. So we have a doggy daycare, an indoor dog park, and then this year we acquired a coffee business while sort of moving slash starting a coffee roastery. And all of these experiences were totally different. Mm. And so we thought that it would be worth talking through some of that because the starting of a second location for an existing business is very different than acquiring an existing business which is also different than trying to acquire a business and start a new business in that in that other industry. So we have a lot a lot of things that we learned that I think we can hopefully consolidate into a 30-minute episode and share with you all. Yeah, and we may end up having to shoot off extra episodes off of this cuz it's a pretty big topic. Um but I'll start with the starting of a business. Not only did I start Annie's Rough House, it was my first business ever to start other than like my lawn mowing business when I was, you know, 11. Um, Which is something else. It, there's some there's something very different about starting a business as a new business owner or being new to owning a business versus starting a business once you've already been a business owner. So exactly. That's why yeah. we wanted and to go back all the way to the beginning. That's why this is a valuable insight, I believe, because in the beginning, Annie's Rough House, I was stepping off of a very secure your mom and dad are so proud of you because you got a corporate job gig. Uh, and it was my it was my big leap. It was my, I'm not happy with this part of my life. I really want to do something different. And I took a chance on myself knowing that this organization I was going to, to start was going to be my sole source of income. And also, that was a new industry to our market. So there wasn't a doggy daycare in my town. It wasn't something people in Norman, Oklahoma were necessarily used to using. So not only did I have to create a business, be very secure with myself in knowing that this was a valid business, but I also had to sell it to the public. I had to walk away from healthcare and all of the things, you know, vacation time and all the stuff. So the benefits, though, to that were I invented in the early days everything. I was able to cobble together from an empty warehouse space, a vibrant business. I was able to put 12 chain link kennels in a vacant warehouse and turn that into something where I made money. And not just turn it into something where you made money, but start an industry in this community that has now developed into, what, I'd say almost a dozen different doggy daycare facilities. Yeah, different iterations of, of that kind of care. Um, I, we still do it very different, and I think that comes from the fact that I had not been in the industry before. I don't think I would have innovated the industry. Had I been in it, I probably would have just kind of done what everybody else is doing. And that's the the doggy daycares that came behind us kind of, you can tell that it was a lot of, it was many different people that either came from other vet clinics or something and they try and, so because they're 
They do it way different than we do. And we do it way different than they do. And I got to create the identity of the company. I named it. I gave it the look and feel. I mean, those are the kind of things I like to do. Those are fun. But I breathed life, in, life into it. Um, I literally shooed the mice out of the warehouse and uh, put a big old red dog on the building, decided how we were going to handle the dogs, made up rules. And I remember one time after a few years of worth of being in business and having employees now, and somebody came to tell me, complain about another employee not doing something that I had made up as a system. And I, I remember thinking that they think this is law. They think this is like, you know, the doggy daycare gods are going to come down and, That this you know, was taken directly from the doggy daycare Bible. Yeah, there's some doggy daycare Bible out there that we were following and, and we weren't. I had just made it up. And, and so I also had to realize I have to be careful what I make up because evidently I'm really good at convincing people that it's the law. So, and then, you know, all of that makes me very proud. I got to create something. I got to do it my way. Some of the positives there are that the systems make sense to me, and I knew I was filling a niche that was unfilled. The negatives were that I had to create it from nothing. I had to do it wrong a lot of the way, and the systems only made sense to me because after we took on, you know, Kate comes into this wacky system that I created, and I'm having to explain why we do some of the things we do, and some of it was just because that's the way we did it. And there was risk. I had to convince people in those early years how to use our business or to use our business. They needed our business. I had to make it relevant, and, and, and we came in at a high price, too, comparatively. You know, most people were locking their dogs in their backyard. So to come in and pay 25 bucks a day or whatever – it was kind of a big lift in the beginning. The other thing that happens in those early years of starting a business, going from a corporate job to starting a business, being a startup, I had lots of years with no paycheck, no health care. I had no guidance. I was, I was an island. I know a lot of entrepreneurs. I listen to a lot of podcasts similar to this, and I hear that that's one of the – it's a lonely job. You know, in your old, my old job, I could sit around and bitch about management and, oh, I was management. I could bitch about the rules. Oh, I made the rules up. <laughs> I could bitch about the conditions. Well, I made the conditions. So even there were state agencies and city agencies that didn't know what to do. So innovating is not always easy. So you have to convince people you're not going to be whatever their fear is that you might do in that space. That was the a great story example of what we're hoping to kind of talk about, which is boil this down to pros and cons to each. Mm -hmm. So as a brand new business owner, some of the pros and cons to starting your own business, as Sarita mentioned, is one, it's a clean slate. You get to make it 100% your own from the bottom up, and it allows you to absolutely make it your own brand and to find your niche in whatever market you're trying to carve your way into. Also, as Sarita mentioned, there are lower startup costs because you're just kind of going in and doing it piece by piece. That kind of a startup is a lot riskier to lend to because there's no history. And if you are brand new to the industry or the first of your industry in your particular community or in your market, that can be a little nerve wracking for a bank. And so, you know, we talked about making sure that you find the right bank to do your lending and that really ties into this, that if you're coming with a brand new idea, something that has not been seen before in your community, or there aren't very many of them, getting the lending for it can be more difficult. The chance of success is unquantifiable because no one has been there. No one has done it. And you have to do all the legwork. 
And one of the things that I asked in an effort to write my business plan, also I'd never written a business plan, so I literally Googled it to figure out how to write a business plan. But one of the things that I tried to do was go to our animal shelter at that time and ask how many pet licenses or how many, if there was some, some statistics on how many, how many dogs there were in our community so I could get a quantifiable arithmetic there to make a case for the fact that we were going to do this. And they had no idea. They had no idea how many how many dogs were in our community. That experience that Sarita just shared was very different than our experience opening a second location because we had already been through all of that once. We knew the different iterations that Annie's had gone through, through the subsequent renovations and what was changed and what we would like to have done if we had the ability to do it all over again at our original location. And so we were able to take 10 years of growth and learning and knowledge and apply that to a business from the ground up. Right. Yeah. And so second location was much easier. I was able to predict how the growth patterns would happen. The the unknowns there were, like you said, Kate, there were more doggy daycares in the community. So it was, you know, what's what's that look like for our numbers? Are we going to grow at the same pace? So I applied that logic and it has been working out. So that's, that one's been on, on pace for about a year and it seems to my logic still stands. But I didn't put in, spend money on bad equipment. I had a, a employees already that we could transfer around and kind of fill that gap. So I didn't have to just reinvent the wheel. All I had to do was figure out how we were going to use our space and how we were going to appeal to the market. It was an interesting exercise, though, trying and realizing that we couldn't completely replicate systems from one facility to another. I think that was something I just assumed that we would go in there, we'd get it all set up, and then the day would run exactly the same way as the day runs at the other location. And that wasn't the case. And partly it was monetary limitations. Fencing is so expensive. And so we weren't able to build out as many yards as we have at the original location, which those yards developed organically over 10 years over of Over 10 years, yeah. And so we had to change how we structured our day. We had to change how we rotated groups in and out. And that was, that was an interesting challenge, both for us as business owners and for the employees who, many of whom, yeah, as Sarita mentioned, had already been trained, which is helpful in one sense. But at the same time, you're almost trying to retrain their brains because you have them doing everything one way and they do that thing almost the exact same way every single day. And now we're asking them to do something similar but different enough that I think it it was tough for some of them. Well, and I think it shined a spotlight really on what I actually bring to the table, which is that I'm able to look at situations and create and overcome. And to me, it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. To me, the differences are no big deal because I can create that in a matter of seconds in my brain. Oh, I know what we need to do. We need to do X, Y, Z. And it's really easy for me. I, I bring both the 10 years of experience and just that creative mindset. And so I did have to kind of figure out ways to communicate. And I think that's where you came in. And it was fortunate that we had you to bring in that kind of a system and, and to be able to cross that, help, well, help and train employees. Basically. And be able to have an ownership presence at each location. At each location. At yeah. the same time. So Which that had been my barrier to having multiple locations mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to do to me's. Man, if we could clone you, though. Oh, God. <laughs> that was helpful in making those changes and those transitions because we could still communicate with each other while we're trying to communicate with the employees at each individual location. And I think that, that really helped smooth things over and yeah. made it really successful. Yeah. And so now we have both of these businesses just rocking along and, and kind of growing. I mean, we're, we're still in a, in a growth pattern in business number two. 
um, and paying off debt and paying off debt. So then we have these coffee things that bubbled up. So kind of go back in the story. I know that I think I've told this in other episodes, but my husband had been in the oil field and wanted to make a change like I had made. Our businesses were doing well enough that we felt like he could step off onto whatever it was he wanted to do. So he did that whole exploration and came up with being a coffee roaster. It really intrigued him. He enjoyed that, the science of it, the mechanics of it, the he art of it. He really does have a natural talent. And he has a natural talent. So, and thank God he's got that natural talent because we didn't know that when he set down in the past. But either ways, um, we decided to open a coffee roastery. And this was kind of before or as Kate was coming on board. We're stepping off into coffee roastery land and at our farm. It really wasn't working out there, so we needed to move it into town. Well, you moved. And we moved. We sold our farm. Uh, We made some life changes to accommodate our businesses, really, just so we'd have the time because it was getting getting interesting. So we started a coffee roastery. And the space we found to put that roaster in made sense to have a coffee shop there as well. So now we're teaching ourselves, and Kate's on board at this point, and, and Rob, the roaster, he's doing all the coffee stuff. And right when we're in the middle of this build-out, we get the opportunity to buy a coffee kiosk drive through So here we are. We've So let's, let's back up and recap. We started a doggy daycare. We expanded a doggy daycare. We started a roastery. We moved a roaster, transitioned to coffee shop, and bought an existing business. So here's where we're at this year. And that has been a really unique and different experience because while we have experience starting businesses and we have experience expanding businesses, we are now jumping into a brand new market. None of us have ever owned a coffee shop before. Retail. Frankly, that was not supposed to be the original intent for our participation in that Mm -hmm. space, which just shows you roll roll with what life brings you. and Stay nimble. Yeah. And when life gives you lemons, you throw them back and ask for coffee. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what we did is yeah. that we were supposed to be co-occupants of a space and be the roaster for the entity that was going to run the coffee shop and bookstore and bookstore. <laughs> and then through a series of unfortunate events, the uh, the bookstore kind of disappeared happen. and then the coffee shop disappeared. And then we were left with, well, but we could still do the coffee shop. So we had to scramble, though. That was a little bit of a scramble to get all the equipment and stuff in place. Yeah. And get open. Um, we and kinda... that was happening right when we closed <laughs> on Cool Beans. Cool Beans. The coffee kiosk. The kiosk. Drive through. I have never been a barista. Kate has I have. been. Yeah. I have. Honestly, if neither of us had ever made a latte before, I don't think we'd be sitting here kind of making jokes about how, <laughs> how fun the last few months have been. That would not have been fun yeah. if none of us knew anything about coffee other than what we've learned through Rob and roasting. Mm-hmm. This would not have gone nearly as smoothly. But we were able to acquire that business, use some of what we learned in the acquisition of that business to help us open the coffee shop and frankly leverage some of the employees that we acquired along with the coffee kiosk to help launch the coffee shop. Those two businesses meshed themselves together instantly. Instantly. And out of necessity and out of a shared common goal and, of course, shared product. And I think that it's important to note here that both of us have really good instincts. And we have been, it's been half gut, half brain power, and half Google. I don't know how many halves that is, but... (laughs) instincts have worked well for us because we really didn't want to buy that coffee shop (laughs) or that drive-thru 
but we it made so much sense that we did and it's good because in that we acquiring that business there's some positives that happen we got clients they are already used to going there they didn't care who owned it so they're happy to keep coming it already cash flowed so that part was kind of a no-brainer apply the numbers numbers are tell you all kinds of things and that emotions don't not just cash flowed we had revenue from day one revenue from day one it was turnkey everything was there all we did was step in, move the old owner out, moved us in. It had employees, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so there was a lot less risk there. Right. And um, you know, on the lending side, it had a track record of success. So mm-hmm. if we did need to seek traditional lending, we probably would have been able to get it right. from someone, um, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't our bank. But we would have been able to get it because the financials were all there. The history was all there. The years, the year over year of growth. I mean, all of that was there and really was one of the big factors motivating us to buy it because Mm -hmm. even as maybe neglected is the best word for it, it had been in the last few years, it was still cash flowing, which meant that Mm -hmm. there was a lot of room for improvement and easy ways to start generating more revenue. And it was definitely filling a need where it's located geographically. And frankly, I will say that was a little bit of my motivation because I live on that side of town as do I. And yeah. And, and so now I feel a sense of responsibility to that side of town, not just because I live there, but I represent that side of town. And I can't tell you how many times my ward residents have come to me and asked why the only thing that's attracted to the east side is fast food. Right. We and have so a food desert out over there. We there's really do. There's a, there's a real lack of quality and particularly local mm-hmm. food options. And so and coffee. I mean, other than Starbucks about four or five miles away and then fast food coffee, there was really nowhere else. And so I did not want to see that business go under because that's where I that's where I live. That's you know, this is the community I live in and that's the side of town I live in. And so I really wanted to make sure that if we had the ability to that we kept that option there for people. And I'm glad we well, did. And to the credit of the former owner, she also had that desire. So yeah. she held out for somebody that wanted to Absolutely. make it a coffee shop because she too lives in that area. And so she really kept stressing that to us. We she wanted to keep that little building as a coffee shop. So yeah. The negatives and the obstacles around acquiring that coffee kiosk were uh, meeting the client's expectations because they are already used to a certain way. We were going to change the beans, so we kind of had to be real gradual. We haven't rebranded yet because there hasn't really been a huge need to rebrand, and it's kind of expensive to do that, so we could, that can wait. Um, and there, there is an inherent resistance to change mm-hmm. that we the majority of people much. have. And so we want to be sure that we're keeping our clients happy and not chasing them away just because they're worried about what will happen because things are changing. Right. So we tried to take the appropriate steps. We changed the beans. <laughs> I, I honestly think fixing the pothole did a lot for our customers. <laughs> we fixed the pothole, but oh my gosh, one of our missteps, so, and it was all mine, was changing the straws. Holy Jesus. Oh, we yeah. nearly had a mutiny because I tried to go to paper the straws. The paper straws. <laughs> Never mind. Never no, mind. No, it's no. fine. Use your plastic straws. The turtles will be fine. <laughs> employees. That was also getting to know the employees, making sure their fears were, you know, settled, getting the rumor mill tapped down, <laughs> making sure that we're there to, you know, be all on the same team. And then also assuring everybody they had jobs. One of the big things we did was allow them to pass the iPad for payment system yeah. out the window to the client. And that then encouraged the client to tip them. So that immediately increased their pay significantly, uh, like maybe by eight to 10 bucks an hour. Yeah, we don't have we don't have formal numbers on that. But from talking to the employees, their tips have at least doubled. Yeah, if not tripled. 
Right. And so the former owner didn't allow them to do that because she was worried about the iPad, which Kate and I both have the same philosophy. Like if we break a $500 iPad, but we have a bunch of happy employees, then okay, we're going to be investing in iPads because that's okay by us. And I will say it's been probably three and a half months of us make, since us making that change. The iPad has not been dropped once. It hasn't been dropped. Oh, it's going to get dropped now. You jinxed <gasps> us. Knocked out. Oh, gosh. We'll tell you on the next episode if it happens. So drama. We have drama built into this episode. Um, dealing with existing leases. I would say that we, you know, of course, had to write a new lease with the landlord. We're doing a land lease on a building we own. I'm not familiar with that. This is kind of, this was a new territory for me. But hey, we it, only be, it only becomes a problem if we want to move or sell. So, know, so <laughs> it's kind of a weird little situation and our landlord is, she's not great and she doesn't listen to this. So I can say that. She's but a character. She's a character. But, but we did uh, figure out ways to, to um, use her own weight against her <laughs> and uh, get what we wanted. So we were able to do that. And then, uh, like I said, rebranding. We, we're going to rebrand at some point, I believe, and get everything aligned. However, it doesn't seem like it's important right now. We didn't have to create a knowledge of our brand or our location or anything like that that was just built in so that was kind of a uh, i have a feeling we have a lead we have a possible lead for a third a third coffee location in the next about 12 months i have a feeling when that time rolls around it might be better to rebrand everyone you know if you've got three spots in town where you can buy our coffee or you know some of our retail products. You know, I personally would want someone to be able to buy a gift card from the roastery and use it at Cool Beans and also use it at a West Side location or a more location. You know, I, I I think that once we're larger than just those two entities, I think that that's when the need will feel more pressing. And so in addition to your con list, I also had acquiring a business requires more cash up front or money up front, whether it's bank lending or private investment or your own capital acquiring a business costs more and to that point i think having 10 years as a business owner helped everybody feel comfortable that we weren't going to drive us off the cliff necessarily that you know we had the acumen there to handle absolutely that whereas i'd if we'd entered into the market having never had a business before and tried to borrow money to buy that business it might have been more difficult right and then also it is It is tough to drastically improve year-over-year sales from a higher point, you know, when you're starting from zero. Your year-over-year sales obviously go up, but with our our particular situation aside, with a business that had suffered from a lack of aggressive marketing and growth. And pre-owner burnout, probably. Right. But if you're buying a wildly successful business, then it's going to be tough to drastic, you know, to, to easily get double digit year over year growth. So that's just something to keep in mind. If it's wildly successful, maybe you don't need that. But that is definitely something that's different than starting your own business and getting to see that year over year growth starting from zero. And then lastly is is the learning curve. When you acquire a business and don't start it, you, you have more to learn in a shorter amount of time than if you're kind of learning as you go. Well, so trying to be seamless in that transition. Oh my yeah, goodness. That was, that was tough. And then I did want to talk for a minute or two about some of the, the due diligence items that we learned through the acquisition of this business. Because we didn't do it right. Well, and you know what? And that's okay because mm-hmm. I am always one to find a silver lining and I am one that no matter how a particular situation turns out, what did we learn from it and how can we prevent it from happening again? Absolutely. So yeah. I was thinking about that in terms of the, the coffee kiosk acquisition and some of the things that I came up with were 
demand records of equipment service and repair and mm-hmm. also get a certification of good condition. We are facing at least one, maybe two pretty significant equipment replacements because we didn't do our due diligence on that. Right. So we've never acquired a business that had significant equipment like this before. Mm-hmm. So we've never acquired a business at all. Right. So, <laughs> oh, right. That's oh, right. right. Yeah. It's our um, first time. If you are acquiring a business that has gift cards. Oh, yeah. Make sure that you are compensated for the current and existing gift card balances if you are going to honor them. If you're not and you're just going to be, you know, SOL, you. babies are us. I'm still mad about that. I have a $50 gift card that now I can't use. I can't even send it in and get cash. Nothing. It's just, it's dead weight. But so if you're not going to honor the gift cards, fine. You don't have to worry about it. Just make sure that you alert your customers. But if you are, get compensated for that because that's money that the previous business owner gets to walk away with that you're now having to pay out of pocket. Especially if she maybe loaded some of those yeah. cards and is using them at your business. Yeah. It's always Currently. fun. It's always fun when a previous business owner comes through your coffee kiosk and uses a $100 gift card from your business. And then lastly is get copies of all digital material, graphics, logos, marketing materials, all of that stuff, as well as employee processes, documentations, or any documentation like that at the time of closing. Mm-hmm. Get copies of the full year-over-year financials, all of the data, all of the blank applications and your recipe cards and how to clean the equipment, get all of that documentation at the time of closing. Those are things that you should not, if you have to go back and ask for them, you have to assume that you're not going to get them. Mm -hmm. So you get them at the time of closing and that'll make your life a lot easier moving forward. Well, we're about out of time. We are. But I would like to take this topic maybe to our next, in a future episode, we'll just say future, uh, and talk about how all of these businesses respond to competition. Yeah, I think that's a big one because we see that with both sides of our business mm-hmm. as w- an entity that was a trailblazer mm-hmm. in an industry. We've seen other doggy daycares come online and try and emulate what we do or ride the coattails isn't the right word because it's a growing industry and there's mm-hmm. room for a lot of people. But we definitely continue to set the bar mm-hmm. and everyone else kind of is chasing to get up there too. And on the coffee side, we are the later entry into the market. There are a number of coffee shops across Norman. And what's been so interesting is to see the difference as the upstart company to kind of see us push other businesses to set their bars higher. It's been fun to, you know, have holiday drinks, you know, Halloween drinks as an example, Mm -hmm. and then see another regional coffee chain start to promote their own Halloween drinks that they have never promoted before in previous years. So it's been really interesting to see. We we get to see both sides of it. We get to be the ones to continue raising the bar, and then we get to be the ones pushing to get the pushing. bar higher. Yeah, so we get a push and a pull. That's right. So I guess continue to find us at RoarAndPeaceProject.com. And you can email us at RoarAndPeaceProject at gmail.com. And many thanks to Studio 3 at The Third Space for recording our podcast for us. Thank you.